0: Talk this morning to you about the person of the Christian life. We've talked about the Christian life and some things that are involved in the Christian life. We've talked about the fact that there is a price to be paid, but yet there is a payoff. Today I want to talk to you about the people involved in the Christian life. That's you and me at the University of Santa Clara, California, a researcher conducted a study of 1,500 business managers to determine, among other things, what workers value most in a boss. A survey revealed that employees respect a leader who shows competence, has the ability to inspire workers, and is skillful in providing direction. There was a fourth quality that they admired even more, and it was integrity. Integrity. Above all else, workers wanted a manager whose word was good, a manager who was known for his honesty, a manager whom they could trust. There was a North Carolina A&T State University psychology professor, who revealed some startling information about the moral condition of our society. And I might just say you don't have to have a college professor to study that out to tell you that we got problems. But he did so. He reported that in the United States alone, cheating on taxes exceeds $100 billion a year. It blows my mind. Pilferage costs department stores over $4 billion annually. And about half of it comes out of West Nampa, right, ladies? <laughs> <laughs> We've got some ladies that work at Kohl's over here, and it's amazing that some of the stories we hear about people stealing stuff. Welfare double-dippers and telephone misusers steal millions. Sixty percent of employees improperly use their employer's postage meters. I'd say there's a problem with the morality in our nation today. From time to time, as painful as it may be, we, we need to stop and examine ourselves. We need to... Check to see how strong we are. See how we pass the the tests of integrity. There's a couple of verses of Scripture. Look at uh, Proverbs chapter 30. This just jumps off the page at me every time I read it. And I read it once a month, whether I need to or not. And I need to because every. Day I read a proverb through, I read the book of Proverbs through once a month and just kind of, if you don't do something like that, I encourage you to do that. Uh, read the proverb that corresponds with that day's date, and you'll go through the whole book of Proverbs once a month. Well, 30-day months, you'll have to read an extra one at the end of the month. But uh, it's. I've been doing it for years, and it's a tremendous blessing to me. Proverbs chapter 30 and verse 7 Here's a difficult prayer to pray. Two things I request of you. Deprive me not before I die. Verse 8. Here's the first one. Remove falsehood and lies far from me. Now we don't have trouble praying for that one. We want to be truthful and it's easy to pray for that one. But he goes on and says not only remove falsehood and lies far from me. He says, give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food allotted to me, lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord, or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. Keep me from being poor so I don't steal and give me just enough for today so I don't take you for granted. We don't have trouble praying keep me from being poor, do we? But the latter part's a little more difficult. I want to talk to you this morning about a couple of tests that we need to understand that take place in our lives. And by the way, it's not our option as to whether or not we're going to take those tests or not. We're going to take them. When it comes to integrity, these two tests that reveal who we really are, it's easy to fool people sometimes, isn't it? Sometimes we even fool ourselves. We kind of get begin to think how, oh, what a person of integrity we really are until we stop and say, where am I living? How's, how are things going on in my life? Just doing a little self-inspection. These two tests are very simple and provide our outline for this morning. The first one is adversity. Adversity. Proverbs 24.10 says, If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. If you quit in the midst of a problem, you're not a very strong person, he says. Well, the truth is, Adversity is real, and it's to be expected in every one of our lives. We're all going to face it. It's hard to be prepared for it. Death comes many times when we're not expecting it. Sometimes just sickness comes, and we're not expecting it. We go to the doctor, and we get a bad report. Sometimes we don't get the privilege of even getting to go to the doctor to get that report. I can remember about, oh, man, it's been a, I can remember almost to the day. I know it was 1984. I remember waking up in the morning about 4 o'clock in the morning thinking I was just about going to die. I had never had pain quite like that in my life. I thought, my goodness, what have I done to my back? And then I, I began to think, maybe I'm really a woman because I think I'm having labor pains. <laughs> Dave, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Woo! If you've never had a kidney stone, they do not come pre announced, they just kind of show up. And oh, my goodness. The adversity that comes with sickness, whether it's something like that or it may be something that's more life threatening. But we're all going to face it. There are, there are going to be problems. Maybe problems in the job. It may be something to do. I'll tell you, I had a, uh, I had a good friend in Austin, Texas that had worked for IBM. Now, IBM is really a solid company, right? He'd worked for IBM for 27 years. got called into the boss's office, and the boss said, Look, we're downsizing, and you don't have a job anymore. Oh, how wonderful. Uh, The people at Micron can tell you something about that. Or the people that were at Micron can tell you something about Sometimes you get no notice at all. The problems that come in the, in the job market. Sometimes it's with the family. Sometimes there are situations that happen in our homes that, uh, that we got no warning about whatsoever. And how we deal with those problems tells us who we really are. When the rug gets pulled out from under us, it's hard. But I want to tell you something. Let me let me let me help you to understand how to how to use the test of adversity in your life or how to see it so that it can become a blessing to you. We need to look at adversity as a tool in the hand of God. When a problem comes Look at it as if God were using it, and not just as if, but that he is using it as a tool in his hand to shape your life. There are things that go on in our our Christian lives that come through adversity that will not come in other ways. Hello? Adversity should be looked at as a tool in the hand of God. God doesn't waste a thing. You know when we when we stop and think about it for a moment. We've got to understand that. The, the, the trials of our faith are going to happen. And, and Peter said that, that our faith is precious. And I might say to you that. That not only is our faith precious, but the trials can be as well. Now we don't look at them as uh, you know that 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 problem with my health, that problem with my in my home, that problem with my finances, that problem on the job, whatever it is. We don't look at those things as precious, but I'll tell you, it gives us an opportunity to ex- uh, to, to to experience some precious works of God in our lives because of the preciousness of our faith in Him. Look at uh, at 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 7. Peter, actually look at verse 6. Peter says this, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. Verse 7, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found in praise and honor and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Our precious faith is tested, as it were, by fire when adversity comes. You know, you never, you cannot grow without some adversity in your life. You just can't. And we would all say, okay, good, I don't want to grow anymore. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> I'm not, you know the thing that tickles me is we say, Lord, would you please increase my faith? And he says, okay. Okay. Here comes. Get ready. It takes adversity to grow our faith in him. It's like, you know, the uh, Peter is talking about talking about our faith being precious and more precious than gold. Which kind of conjures up the idea of the uh, of the goldsmith when he and you've all heard this uh, this illustration of the goldsmith when he is when he is uh, 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 smelting, so to speak, the ore, he puts it in a big pot and lights a fire under it. And the hotter it gets, the more of the impurities out of the ore come out and float to the top. The thing liquefies, it floats to the top. They scrape off the, uh, the, the, the dross off the top, all the impurities turn up the fire a little bit more, more impurities come up. Eventually, you've got molten gold, this liquid gold that is so pure, the goldsmith's able to look right into the pot, and what does he see? He sees his reflection. Well, there's a great illustration in that for you and I. You see, when when God wants to make us more like him, what does he need to do? He needs to burn out the impurities from our lives. He basically says, I'm going to use your faith, which will give you stability, but I'm going to make it stronger because I'm going to turn up the fire. And God so so God turns up the fire. He doesn't do it because he hates us or because he's trying to get even with us or because he's trying to punish us. He allows things to come into our lives many times that he didn't cause at all that will give us opportunity to trust him more. And what happens? The more we trust him, the more the impurities flow to the top. He gets rid of them, looks into the pot, and what does he see? He looks into the pot of our lives, and he sees himself. That's what this whole thing of faith is all about. It's becoming more like Him. You see, adversity is a, it's not an enjoyable thing, but yet we can look at it as a tool in the hands of God. God's use, He uses everything that comes into our lives. We know that, that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are the call according to His purpose. Romans 8 tells us. Everything. The unexpected problem on the job, the, the unexpected uh, health problem, the unexpected family issue, uh, the unexpected financial problem that you're, you're going through. All of those things, God uses them as an opportunity to grow us into mature believers. Thank God for adversity. For we know that God is using it to make us more like Him. You know, Job is the illustration that we would use here. Job was a righteous man. The Bible says he was was a man who was blameless, yet his suffering was allowed by God. I don't mind telling you, I don't enjoy reading the book of Job much. I really don't. In fact, in my Bible reading I when I come to Job I usually okay, I gotta read Job again. Here's Job and all his fair weather friends and his sorry wife and you know and, and he's suffering and he loses all his kids. I can't wait to get to the last chapter because the last chapter, boy, it's a great victory. But you know what? Every time I I read it, I pray and I surrender myself to God and I ask God to forgive me for having such a bad attitude. But I I, I ask God, I really do, and I mean it with all my heart, that God would help me to learn from it. Reading of Job's suffering. I just got through reading the book of Job. It was one of the greatest experiences I've ever had in reading. I began to read and I read where God had allowed suffering in job's life then i began to read how job he began to began to cry out to the lord as was his custom and seemingly the the heavens were brass and nothing was going on and i mean god just wasn't working where is god when you need him and he was just kept carrying on and carrying on then to make matters worse he said his wife comes along says you're so far gone why don't you just curse god and die Uh, Well, thank you very much for the encouragement, Mrs. Job. But he refused to do so. Then his fair-weather friends come around. Job, you know that nobody suffers in life unless they've sinned. Unless they've failed God. You must be a miserable failure. Why don't you just admit it? I mean, here they are. The guy is literally, he's he is suffering miserably, and they're just working him over, telling him, "You know, he—those guys would have made good Independent Baptists, I think." Sometimes, and I hate to say that, but there are some amongst our movement that seem to think that it's their calling in life just to want to pile on when somebody's suffering, when in fact they should have been there ministering to Job. And then finally another friend comes alongside him and he's <laughs> boy, I got I gotta preach on this sometime at a preacher's meeting. I'm I can't wait. It'll probably be my last invitation to get to preach to preachers, but you know, it just reminds me of all these guys that come along and they've got their own idea. You got this group over here that's so conservative, you know, that they, they, they're they're so straight laced they, they they can't look to the side either way because they're you know everything is if you're not going my way you just you must not be right with god you know that kind of attitude and then job has that's his that as i see it that's his three fairweather friends and then he has another fella come along he's a young guy in fact is he starts making apology right up front about how you know i know i shouldn't be speaking because the rest of you guys are older than me but i can see you guys are all fouled up so i'm gonna straighten you out anyway And, of course, we have a group of those as well, don't we? Everybody's got an opinion. Everybody's right. And you know what? Through it all, Job is suffering. And Job, his his attitude kind of starts to change a little bit. He never does turn his back on God. But, my goodness, he is just hating the day that he was born. Because he's suffering so much. And he gets so under these circumstances. I mean, this adversity is just, it's just got him down so bad. And finally, God in his grace steps in. And he didn't say it this way, but just to kind of the hill paraphrase, he just said, everybody shut up. All of you, Job, you be quiet. All of you fair-weather friends over here, be quiet. And you listen to me. And God begins to set them on on the right track. Now, the truth of the matter is, there was truth coming out of every one of those groups. From Job, there was truth. From from his friends, there was truth. But yet, they all seem to be going in their own direction. God has a perfect plan. And I want to say to you, Job learned it, and you and I need to learn it. God is sovereign, and he's going to have his way when it comes to our growth. We, it'd be to our benefit just to submit to it. Does that mean we can't do? We're not we're not automatons. We're not we're not uh, robots walking around just uh, uh, doing God's uh, uh, everything that God's programmed us to do. No, we are free moral agents. But at the same time, I want to tell you, God has a plan in our lives, and His perfect plan is going to be worked out in our lives and he is going to use it for his glory. So let's you know somewhere between the free will of man and the sovereignty of God there's some balance in there somewhere and most of it's just you and I as men and women just surrendering to the uh, to the plan of God. It's amazing how much better things go. That's, that's something that Job had to learn. You know the the reality of his strength was tried. You know, here's a guy who had counseled others. Now he's being tested. Truth is, folks, Job knew all the pious spiritual things to say. He knew all the little platitudes and the little things that he knew everything to say. But he had to have some experience that backed it up that that made him mature. And folks, I'm afraid sometimes we know all of the little things that we ought to say. We've got the little cliches down about trusting God. But until we really have trusted Him in the midst of a major, major problem, we don't know the meaning of the word. And many times I'm afraid what we want to do is when we are faced with adversity, we're ready to bail out. Oh, there's problems this morning I can handle. I'll just go back to, I didn't have this problem when I wasn't trying to live for God. No, you had a whole different set of problems. What a wonderful thing it is to know that the Lord can reach into your life and use even the problems of your life for your good. Because he loves you. All of his heart. Let me give you another test. The We're talking about the tests that reveal who we really are. Yes, adversity is a difficult test. Let me give you the hardest test, though. If you thought adversity was hard, prosperity is the hardest one. Prosperity is the hardest one. When we, you know, when, when we are prospering, there's a whole different, whole different mindset. Psalm 75. Psalm 75 and verse uh, 5, 6, and 7. says, do not lift up your horn on high. Do not speak with a stiff neck. For exaltation comes neither from the east nor from the west nor from the south. But God is the judge. He puts down one and exalts another. God puts down one and he exalts another. Prosperity. You see, prosperity is a difficult test because prosperity complicates things instead of simplifying them. You would think, and most of us do, we think, man, if I just had enough money, everything would be all right. Amen? (laughs) Well, they go a long ways of curing some stuff. I'll give you that. But the truth is, prosperity doesn't simplify things as far as, The test of integrity, it complicates matters. Adversity, on the other hand, simplifies things. When there's a problem in my life, I've got one thing on my mind. That's getting through that problem, right? I'm going to do what I have to do to get through that problem. When I'm prospering, well, I've got a whole new set of problems. The problems with prosperity are many. Pride, arrogance, self-sufficiency. Things like this tend to, to come out when we're prospering. We begin to think we really, you know, I got this down pretty good. I can do this pretty good now. I'm just, I'm, I'm pretty much under con- in control here. We don't say it, but our actions say, God, I'll call on you when I need you. You know, you just kinda kinda hang out over there and I'll you know, I know you're over there and I'll I'll be back when I need you. Conceit and pride pointing to self indicate a low measure of true integrity. David, King David is the illustration. If Job illustrates adversity, David is the, the best illustration I know about how to pass the, the, the integrity test when you're prospering. Psalm 78 and verse 70. says, And he chose David his servant and took him from the sheepfold. From following the ewes that had young, uh, that had young, he brought him to shepherd Jacob, his people, and Israel, his inheritance. So he shepherded them according to the integrity of his heart and guided them by the skillfulness of his hands. Here's David, the least of Jesse's boys. Last to be considered the replacement for King Saul. You know the story. David, after his anointing, passed the test of integrity. He didn't rise up saying, okay, I'm the king. Now everybody's going to do it my way. He basically, after after he was anointed to be the king of Israel, what did he do? He went back to the sheep. Okay, I'm going back to the sheep. I got a job to do. I have responsibility here. i I got to do my job. He wanted to do it right. Verse 70 refers to him as a servant of God. He was, he was chosen by God because he had a servant spirit. That's how we'll pass the test of, 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 of prosperity, is to have a servant spirit. Any wonder why... David was called a man after God's own heart he wanted to serve God he wanted to serve others the truth is as a man of integrity he allowed God to exalt him and he wasn't overly impressed with himself that's what happens when, when we begin to prosper we, we begin to think you know I just, I just pretty much got this down I'm just pretty much doing, I'm doing all right here. Look what I've done. Look at me. And arrogance and pride seems to kind of work its way into our lives when in fact, there's no integrity to that whatsoever. So if I could challenge you to do anything this morning. We're talking about thriving and not just surviving this year that is before us. Being totally successful as believers in Jesus Christ. Be willing to take a a difficult look into your own life. Just stop and say, how am I doing? And be honest with yourself. How do I respond in times of adversity? When problems come, do I crumble and want to quit and drop everything and run? Or do I say I'm going to trust God no matter what? We're going to see that problem as a tool in the hand of God. When I begin to prosper and God gives me some prosperity, how do I handle that? Do I just kind of go off the deep end and forget all about God and begin to think that I'm something that I'm not? That's how we'll look at our if we look at our lives, do some, do some self examination. My friend, I want to tell you the, the person of the Christian life. You will succeed. You will have a life that's worth something because you've, you've, you've passed the test of integrity. Bow your heads with me for just a moment, please. Every head bowed. Every eye closed, please. What kind of integrity do we have? I want to just take just a moment. Forget what's going on in in this room right now other than the fact that God is speaking to you about looking and taking a strong and honest look into your own heart and your own life. Is what you see what God wants to see? Or do you see someone who's dedicated and loyal and sold out only when it fits your need? Do you have a heart for God as David did? Do you have faith in the Lord to be able to pull you through adversity even as Job did? Job said, even though he slay me, yet will I trust him. I'm going to trust him no matter what. You know, I've talked, I've spoken to believers this morning, and I I would be remiss if I did not take just a moment and say to you, if you've never trusted Christ as your personal Savior, there's the beginning, the beginning to being able to handle adversity and prosperity is a relationship with Christ. Christ. You look into your life and you can see a time when you call upon Christ to be your personal Savior. You're on your way, but not until then. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed this morning. If you've never prayed to receive Christ, just pray a simple prayer with me. Just pray it silently and quietly in your own heart to God. He'll hear it. He'll answer it. Dear God. I confess to you that I've sinned and I've failed you. I ask your forgiveness. I believe that Jesus died to pay for my sin. So I take him as my personal Savior. And my faith is in him and him alone. I give you my heart today and I give you my life. In Jesus' name. Our heads are still bowed. Our eyes are still closed. You prayed to receive Christ this morning, you're on your way. Most of us here this morning, as I look over this group this morning, most of us, if not all of us, have made a profession of faith in Christ. But I, I, I can't say I know what anybody's going through when it comes to the adversity test or the or the prosperity test for that matter. But you know where you are in that and God knows. My Christian friend, what God wants from you and I is just our faith in Him. If we really believe that He is who He is. Hebrews eleven, six says, Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. But the last part of this is, is right where we live. He that cometh to God must believe that He is. And that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You believe that. You've got a relationship with him like none other. And I want to tell you, you can be on your way to being the very best you can be for the rest of your life. For he'll empower you and he'll help you. He wants to. He just wants you to trust him. Lord this morning I pray for every person in this congregation Lord I I can't say that I know what's going on in anybody's heart except for my own and even many times as the Bible says because the heart of man is wicked and desperately wicked and deceitful who can know it I know that you know it I know that many times I don't know what's even in my own heart that it's right I pray Lord that that you'd just help every individual in this in this room this morning including this preacher to take a strong look at, at where we stand in our christian lives lord that when adversity comes we would not be tempted to bail but we'd stand strong when prosperity comes that we would be we'd be rejoicing and and giving praise and honor to you for it and and looking to you to help us to be the best stewards of our prosperous Christian lives that we can be. Lord, encourage and bless your people today. Lord, help us to be the best we can be for you. That you would be glorified, we pray. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen and amen.